Extra, extra, have you heard? The miraculous in our midst, one before space and time, ruler of the nations. Have you heard an ancient promise, the fulfillment of prophecy, the incarnate deity? Have you heard the Prince of Peace, our one true King, God in flesh? Have you heard Jesus, Son of Mary and Joseph? Jesus the Christ, Jesus, Son of Man. Y'all, you excited to be back in the house tonight? Come on, who's excited to be back in the house tonight? Yeah. We have been apart for far too long, but more than are you excited to be in the house, are you excited about what Jesus is doing within our community tonight? Come on, let's make some noise. It's a little weak, but we'll get there. We're, 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 there you go. We're, we're, we're going to work on it. As we go, we all, we've been apart, like I said, for far too long, far too long, since we've got a couple of different things going. But before we get too far into the night, I want you to do this. I want you to pull out your cell phones. Let me see your cell phones. I know you got them. Come on, I know you got them in the house. All right, turn on uh, your, your flashlight on your cell phone for me. Let me see those flashlights. Ooh, you're lighting up. You're lighting up this place. I like it. Come on, let's see the flashlights. Let's get everybody. Let's get those going. DJ McCalman, could you cue up our music for us? Yo, we've been apart too long. I miss you. I hope you miss me. Single guys, it's the month of love. So if you've got a lady next to you, go ahead and sneak that arm around. Don't be a creep. It's about togetherness up in here. It's about togetherness. That's good. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. But y'all, I am so excited to be back with you guys. My name is Bronson Duke. Uh, I get the honor and the privilege to be the young adults pastor here in the Little Rock area along with my wife, Callie Duke. Uh, we also uh, have the honor and the privilege to be uh, the downtown campus pastors along with uh, Bishop Fitzhill, who you heard bring the word today. He brought it down. Uh, Y'all, we hope that that campus is going to be relaunching here in the next couple weeks. We don't have an exact date, but soon. How's that sound? Soon. Uh, next couple weeks. But we've got a building. It's at 610 Main Street. Uh, if you're in the downtown area, I want to encourage you to go buy it. Uh, it's right across. Y'all know where Threefold Noodles is, the new location? I know y'all been eating there. I hope you've been eating there. It's delicious. Uh, go down there. And I don't just want you to go down there and look at the building. I want to ask you to do something for me. Can I ask something of you tonight? Can I ask something? Come on, can I ask something of you guys tonight? Hey, in this ministry, when we, we, it's okay for you to talk back. I don't know what background you come from or whatever, but, you know, when I ask a question, you can say amen. You can say yes. I know what you're talking about. So threefold noodles, y'all know where that is? Okay, you're with me. Sweet. I'm not alone up here. Awesome. Okay, so I, I want to ask you guys to drive around. I want to ask you to pray for it. Y'all, you know, we believe that we're not just here to do church. We're not just here to show up and turn on lights and sing songs, but we're here to worship Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came from heaven to be here on earth. And y'all, you know, we believe that because Jesus came, it changes everything for every soul who has ever lived. And so we're praying that people come into this church, that they meet Jesus for the first time, people who are broken, people who are homeless, people who are addicted, people who have been told you don't belong in church. We pray that this is a church that's so built on Jesus that there's no racial divide in our city. We pray that the violence that's in our city, that's cannibalizing our city and our youth, that Jesus would come in and that he would be the solution that we know only he can be. Can I get an amen? So I want to ask you guys, whether this is your church, whether you're in Pine Bluff, whether you're in Conway, whatever campus or some other church you might be at, I just want to ask for your prayers because we believe that God wants to do something significant 
in our city. Uh, y'all, it would be a miss if I got too far into the night and uh, I didn't give honor where honor is due. I don't know if you guys know this, but no matter what platform you have in life, if you didn't build it, it's borrowed. Did you know that? If you're working for a business and you didn't found that business, you're standing on borrowed platform. And we've got to give honor to the people who put blood, sweat, and tears to get that going. And, y'all, we would not exist if it weren't for our senior and founding pastors, Rick and Michelle Bazette. Y'all, what I love about Pastor Rick and Michelle, that's right, give, that's a great place to honor them with a hand clap of praise. What I love about Rick and Michelle is they've had a little bit of success, right? Can we, can we just be honest? This isn't, this isn't being prideful to say that New Life Church has had some success in our community. It's because God has breathed on it. But Pastor Rick and Michelle could sit back, right? They could sit back and say, man, there's a couple thousand people coming to our campuses, and you know, we're just going to sit back and relax. But they've never done that. They keep taking risks. You know, I was thinking about this at our last worship night, that, that Pastor Rick and Michelle took risk on me. They took a risk on us. They allow us to have this space uh, to be a community. And so what I want to ask you to do is this. I want you to tell them. Like, if you guys see them about town, if you see them at church, I just want you to grab them, come up, say, hey, I just want to thank you for, for the sacrifice that you've made, because, y'all, we will never know what it has cost them to plant this church. But, y'all, they know it's worth it, because they know that Jesus is the answer that every soul is looking for. Can I get an amen? amen. So thankful for our founding pastors. Uh, y'all, I, I got a question. We've, we've been kind of working on something here as a ministry, uh, just talking about demographics within our ministry. And I'm curious, do we have any married people in the house just help me. If it, okay, we got a couple married people in the house. That's good. That's good. Okay, what about engaged people? We got anybody who's engaged? Yes, those are the most excited people in the building right now. Next to the mothers with toddlers, they're the most tired because they're planning their wedding right now. They've got all this stress going on, right? Uh, what about dating? Anybody dating in the house? Don't want to embarrass you too bad. Okay, I see a couple bashful little hands going. I see a couple of these. A couple of those. Uh, what about single ladies? We got single ladies in the house. Be proud. That's right. That's right. Keep your hands up real quick. Single ladies, keep your hands up. Single men, look around. There are amazing women of God in this house for you to meet. They're full of integrity. They love the Lord. They serve the church. They're incredible. They are wife material, okay? They are wife. That's right. Amen. Yeah, let me tell you something else. They're smart, too. They got standards. Uh, so if you're in here just looking for a hookup, they're going to sniff you out, okay? They're going to sniff you out. They're going to smell you from a mile away. Let me tell you something, something about our community, if you're new to our community. Uh, if you're just looking for a hookup, we're what you consider a wolf in the hen house, okay? And I'm the farmer, and I carry a shotgun, okay? So around here, we protect our women. So if that's what you're looking for, this isn't the place, but I'm just giving you fair warning. You can fit very well in this community if you're looking for a God-honoring relationship. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. These girls have standards. Capiche? Good. You understand. Something I'm learning in life is that uh, if we want God's strength, we've got to embrace God's standards. If we want the strength of God, we've got to embrace the standards of God. Y'all, we value the word here in this ministry. Uh, we believe that God has called us not just to look at it, not just to think it's important, but to digest it. It literally says that he wants us to write his word on our hearts. It's so important. Y'all, this semester as a community, we've always walked through the scripture. We've always valued the scripture, but in our life groups, I really felt compelled. My wife and I felt compelled that it, this is a season where God just wants us to walk through a gospel. God just wants us to open a book as life groups, and, and he wants us to walk through it together and, and ask him what he's trying to speak to us. Because do you know that we have a helper who helps us interpret this word? It's the Holy Spirit. 
Y'all, the scripture says that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's, it pierces right to the division of soul and spirit. It pierces right to the core of us. And we know that God wants to speak. I love what it says in John chapter 15, verse 2. It says this. It says that he, that's God the Father, cuts off every branch of mine, that's Jesus, that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more fruit. Did you know that the Bible is the only book that when you read it, it reads you back? When you read the Bible, it's going to read you. And here's a reality about life. In life, you're going to get cut, right? It says right there, it says that uh, if you're, if you're not producing fruit, that you're going to get cut. It says that if you are bearing fruit, that you're going to get pruned, which means you're going to get cut so that you can produce more fruit. Y'all, here's what's going to happen this semester as you read the Scripture, and you have a choice to make. God is going to start highlighting things in your life that previously you found very valuable. Things that previously you've said, this is a big part of my life. This is something that is valued to me, valuable to me. This is something that's important to me. And maybe even this is a little bit of my identity. And God is going to point at that thing that on the outside looks alive, that's not bearing fruit. And he's going to say, that's dead. Will you let me cut it off? And I want to encourage you when he does that to let him cut it. Because he's going to cut it one way or the other. You're going to get cut one way or the other. One way you grow, one way you struggle. Y'all, I want to encourage you to let him prune you this semester because when he cuts those things off, he causes better things to grow in their place. And you're going to grow and you're going to flourish and you're going to thrive in your life with Jesus. That is why Jesus came and that is why we exist as a ministry so that the Holy Spirit might speak in your life, that you might thrive and flourish and walk in everything that God has for you. Amen. Amen. Something that we value. We value it so much. We, we, we don't typically do this in our church, but I want to do something a little bit different if I can tonight. Can we stand as we read the word? Can we honor God with our posture and just show God, hey, this is how valuable we see your word. That When we read it, we're, we're going to take some time to stand and just to soak in this. And so I'm going to read about 12 verses to you. They're going to be on the screen. And I want to encourage you, as I'm reading it, don't just listen. Don't just listen, but listen. See what God's speaking. It's in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. It says this. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the roof above his head. Could you imagine if somebody dug a hole in the roof right now? Dug a hole in the roof above his head, and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their, face, their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, and so he asked, Why do you ask this question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, 
We have never seen anything like this before. They were amazed. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you're a God over all creation. You're God from before time began. God, we believe that you spoke and everything came to be. God, we believe that you know the way. God, we thank you that you sent us the way in Jesus. Jesus, we ask that tonight you'd speak to us through, our, through your Holy Spirit. We, we pray that you would speak directly to our hearts. God, you would speak directly to our situations. God, we love you. God, we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Okay, so real quick, change of pace here, okay? Since it's February, I got to give you guys a little bit of dating stuff, right? I got to talk about relationships for a moment. This is the month of love, and even though I'm not doing a talk on romance, I am a pastor, and it is February, and so I have to do a little bit. It's, it's obligatory. It's like whenever they give you the license and they ordain you, like, hey, but listen, in February, you're going to have to talk about love a little bit. And so uh, who, who knows? For some of us, this is a little further back than what we care to admit, right, baby? We're getting a little close to 10 years since our first date, right? So uh, a lot of times when you go on a first date, uh, you're putting your best foot forward, right? Right? Hopefully you brush your teeth. Uh, hopefully, nasty people not brushing your teeth. Hopefully you brush your teeth. Hopefully you comb your hair. Uh, hopefully you're putting on some of your best clothes, right? You're putting your, your, your best foot forward because you're trying to impress this person. You're trying to convince them, hey, I may well be the mate that you've always dreamed of, right? Uh, I've got a little something. McCalman. Do, do we have those photos? I want to give you guys a little. I want to give you guys a little example in seduction tactics via 2009. All right, those are suspenders. All right, wait, wait, go back, go back, go back. Too soon, too soon, too soon. Check out the kicks that I got going on that clearly don't match the pants that I'm wearing. Check out this. Uh, back then, believe it or not, some of you guys remember. Believe it or not, that was cool, right? Have a little. Funky punk rock hair going on. Uh, let's, go to, let's go to the next one. No belt, by the way. No belt because I was wearing suspenders. Didn't need it. Okay, this is what we call a deep V. Okay, for those of you who are 18 uh, in kind of 18 to 22 range, you don't know about the deep V. But this was uh, uh, one of the best ways to uh, lock down a woman in, in 2009. Obviously, I did pretty well. Have you seen my wife? Okay. You obviously have she's right there. So the other thing I want you to notice is that when you love something, sometimes you got to take a bite out of it. Am I right? Woo! Okay, so you, 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 can, you can take that off. Uh, but that's, that's kind of <laughs> what, what I had going on back then. So you guys, you, you can take notes for those dates that you're going to ask out after February 14th, right? That would be a little weird. Don't ask them before Valentine's Day because then you've got to buy a present. So that's a pro tip right there. You've got you to buy a present. But when you're dating, you're, you're trying to craft a picture, right? You're trying to craft a picture that, hey, I'm exactly what you've always been looking for. And, and it may not be totally true, right? You might bend the truth a little bit. You're not nearly as clean normally as you were on, on that date. You're not normally as put together on that, as you were on that date. But you're trying to get out there this idea that you are someone that they desire, right? You're trying to get out there this idea that you're someone that they want to be with. And, you know, we're, we're all expending energy on a daily basis trying to, to put off th this sense of who we are and who we want people to think we are, right? Look at the internet, right? Look at Instagram. Look at selfies. Uh, you know, you, you, you get your phone and you got to get it up at the right angle, girls, right? You got to get the favorable angle. That's up here. That's never down here. 
That's up here, right? You got to get the right angle and get everything in place, right? Come on, don't act surprised. I know you do it. And then you post that picture and you watch the likes roll in, right? Because we are trying to get people to see us in a certain light. Am I right? Come on. Am I the only one, am I the only one who does this? Right? We know how many likes we need every couple of minutes to know, hey, is this going to be a successful picture or not? So we're, we're pulling it down and we're trying to see how many likes are Oh, oh I'm, I'm the only one who does that. Okay, okay, I see, I see. Okay, I need, to, I need to bring myself up a level here to get on y'all's level. No, right? We all do this, right? We're, we're all looking for this affirmation. We're all looking for people to say, hey, you, you know, you are what, what I want. You are what I desire, and what you are is okay, right? And so we're all trying to put this thing off, and we're not just trying to convince other people. We're trying to convince ourselves. With all this filtering and all this kind of stuff, I think somewhere within us we're trying to say, hey, maybe I am really this. And then... You flip on the camera, and you have the front camera facing you, and you didn't realize it, right? Everybody know what's that like? You flip it open, you look like, oh, my God. Gobbler, turkey neck, unibrow, like it all comes at you right there. Snaggletooth, all that stuff that you're trying to hide, all that stuff that you're trying to say, hey, this isn't me, it's right there, and you have to deal with it, right? And suddenly, brutally, all these things that you've built up about yourself for yourself and for other people come crashing down. Y'all, we all spend so much energy in life trying to get people to think that we are what we want them to think we are. You tracking with me? Can I give you guys a front-facing camera moment from real life? Front-facing camera moment for real life? So last night, Callie and I were working on this message. You guys may not know this, but she is the better half of a sermon writing team. That is me and her. I don't work on these just by myself, but she helps me. Everything that I say is funny usually comes from Callie. If I was up here by myself, I'd still be reading the scripture, right? And I'd be saying, hmm, what does God want to speak to you? Hmm, right? It'd be, it'd be terrible. She's like, baby, you can't do that. That's weird. People are going to feel uncomfortable. They're not going to come back. And so she helps me put things together. And so last night, we're working on this word, and I take it very seriously. I'm very intense when it comes to sermon prep mode, right, baby? I'm very intense. I also happen to have severe ADD. Let me ask this question. Have you guys ever been telling a story and somebody keeps interrupting you, right? Like you get interrupted so many times, you're like, what the heck am I even talking about? Like I thought this was a good story, but clearly it's not because nobody listened. But if they would just listen, this is a good story. Whenever you're like prepping sermons, it's kind of like that. So, like, you, you just have to work your way through it because I don't just get up here and make this up on the spot because that would be irresponsible and I would say crazy things. Uh, so I sit there and I'm trying to go through it. And as I'm trying to go through it, Callie's sitting there listening. And then at some point she has the audacity to get up and go to the bathroom. Can you believe that she would want to do that? And then she comes back and she has the audacity to ask me if she could cook me dinner. That's out of control, Right? Well, we're in sermon prep mode. Like, we, we've got to be focused. And I'm like, babe, no, this is too serious. She's like, well, how soon can we eat? I'm like, I don't know, two hours? She's like, no, it's 730. We need to eat sooner. And, y'all, I'm not kidding you. I started to get angry because it felt like it's that feeling. i got to give you a little bit so some people are on my, on my side here in this argument. Uh, it's that feeling of, like, I'm telling a story, and then I get interrupted. And so I'm getting frustrated. And I'm like, babe, we just need to finish this. We just need to finish this. And can I tell you guys, I got so mad that I went into the kitchen, and I grabbed both refrigerator doors, and I slammed them shut. And I slammed them so hard, the refrigerator pushed back, and all the magnets fell off the fridge. And not only that, the magnets fell off the fridge. They fell on the ground, and I started going, oh, you like this magnet? 
And I'm literally trying to break, I'm throwing, this is last night, okay? This is not three years ago. I'm trying to break her magnets because I'm so mad that she won't sit there and listen to me the way that I want her to listen to me. Like, y'all, it was a full-on tantrum, and it was out of control. And I just, at some point, after about an hour, of course, sermon prep is out the window at this point, right? Like, we lost the whole hour. We're just, like, talking about, like, how could you lose your mind like this? Like, what's going on in your heart? I don't know, you weren't listening to me. I, like, you just need to listen better. And then uh, gently, the way that the Holy Spirit does, after about an hour, he was like, hey, you were being a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, no. And she's, clean, she's doing dishes, and I'm just kind of standing there watching her because I know i got to apologize. I'm like, hey, baby, uh, you know, when I slammed the refrigerator doors and I threw that tantrum earlier, uh, you know, I was probably wrong. I think I realized that I was probably wrong, and the Holy Spirit was telling me, hey, like, you're about to preach this message on front-facing cameras, and here's an opportunity for you to look at what's going on in your heart. I I got this wickedness, and y'all, we all have this underlying sense that something's off with us, right? And I think a lot of times we carry it a lot closer to the surface than we want people to see. But we have moments in life where flaws come out, and we're confronted with the reality that we're not perfect. We're confronted with the reality that we don't, in fact, have it all together, like we're trying to show the world that we do. Why is this? Y'all believe it's because we don't need medication. We need a cure. We don't meet, need medication. We, we need a cure. We don't just need advice on how to fix this. We need an entirely new system altogether. You know that thing that, that you haven't quite yet overcome? That thing that's just right there in, in the back of your mind, that thing that you haven't quite yet achieved, that if you could just achieve it, that thing that you desire above all other things, that's not really what you need. Mark chapter 2, verse 3 through 5, it says this. It says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that the paralyzed man was coming to Jesus to get his sins forgiven? Or was he coming to Jesus to get his legs and back healed? Was he trying to get his sins forgiven, or was he trying to get some relief from his pain? There's no question he's coming to deal with the pain. There's no question. He has his friends dig a hole in the roof, not to get his sins forgiven, because he can't walk. Yo, in this culture, when you can't walk, you're done. There's no wheelchair. You're a beggar. You've got nothing. And he was coming to Jesus to get his life back, but Jesus was saying, oh, it's so much worse than what you're presently experiencing. It's so much deeper than what you're seeing right now on the surface. He was saying that your pain is not your problem. Saying this thing that you're seeking is not really what you're seeking. Have you guys ever gone to Jesus? Have you ever gone to the Lord uh, really desperate for something and not got the answer you were looking for? Has anybody ever done that? Like you're mad at somebody and And Jesus reminds you that you're supposed to bless your enemies and not curse them. 
your friends driving you crazy because they got this flaw in their life and everybody can see it but them, but they won't pay attention to it. And Jesus gently reminds you that you've got to remove the plank for your eye before you start obsessing about the, the speck in other people's. You've got this person who sinned against you so grievously. And you go to Jesus and say, I need justice. And he says, those who are forgiven much, will they themselves be forgiven? Have you ever done that? Have you ever gone to him looking for something and gotten something different? I find with Jesus that I normally do. (laughs) Maybe you've been battling a certain issue in life, and instead of being told to take up your proverbial mat and walk, Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Do you know that Jesus wants to use your weakness? Do you know that you have gotten everything that you could ever need in the cross of Jesus Christ? You know, if if you never got anything else, but all you had was Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for you and the life that he offered you, you could never have another blessing. You could never have anything else good in your life, and you would have an abundant life. You would have all that you ever need. Because the deepest need in our souls, it's not our issues. It's not our problems. It's deeper than that. It's this sin that we were born into. Have you ever had this sense in life that you had this stain on your life that you just couldn't seem to remove? Like no matter how hard you worked, it still wasn't enough. No matter how much you achieved, it still wasn't enough. No matter how much victory you had over a habit, it somehow still was not enough. It's like this, this sense that we have like, man, if I could only do this, right? Has anybody ever said if I could only do this then? If I could only get this one thing then, my life would be okay. Isaiah 1, 18 says this. It says, now come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall become like wool. Y'all, this is not talking about lust, lies, or cigarettes. It's not talking about abortion or racism. It's talking about the deep brokenness in the human heart that gives birth to those things. Those things are sin, but those things are not the sin. Y'all, we are walking through life, breathing air. And a lot of times, we're walking through this creation with no thought of the one who created it. We're walking through life, breathing this breath that the creator God laid out there for us with no reference to the one who created. Y'all, it is like putting together Ikea furniture without the directions. We are walking around the map of life and we're not asking the map maker for help. That is the sin. That is the sin in the garden. The map maker told him, the creator told him, hey, if you just stay away from this one thing, everything else will be okay. And they began to live life without reference to the things that he had told them. Now, here's what's amazing, is that God offers a solution. He offers it in Jesus, but he doesn't just offer a solution. He offers us a friend and a confidant in the Holy Spirit. He says that I'll come in and I will indwell your life and I will fill you. If you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, later on in the service, we've got people who want to pray for you because the Holy Spirit will fill your life and will then begin to whisper to you the directions from the map. They'll start saying, hey, I think think you should go this way. 
The Holy Spirit will start leading you, and it will always line up with the word that God has given us. He's given us the gift of his word, and he's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit, and they will never fail us. They will never fail us. This is the thing that we are searching for. This is the thing that we're searching for. We're wandering through life, walking on the map, without asking the map maker for help. Y'all, we see here with Jesus and the paralyzed man, as the paralyzed man is asking, pleading, going so far as to have his friends rip through the roof and lower him down. He's pleading for help, and Jesus is saying your paralysis, the utter brokenness in your body, is not really the issue. It's something deeper. Can anybody in here walk? Some of you in here might be dealing, I can't see all the way to the back. We might have somebody who's dealing with paralysis, but can you walk? Is your life fulfilled because you can walk? See, Jesus was saying, this thing that you're seeking, I know that you think this is the pinnacle. But when you get this thing, I promise you, you're going to be wanting more. It's because the ability to walk does not emanate life. The ability to walk does not shine light in and of itself. It is something that contains light, but is not the source of light. Y'all, we begin orbiting as humans around brokenness in our life, and we say if we could just get this brokenness deal with, our life would be okay. But that thing that you're orbiting around, Christians or unchristians, that thing that you're orbiting around, when you get it, it is not going to fulfill you, and you will be miserable in life hanging on to if-onlys. Yo, we all have the thing that the paralyzed man was looking for. For Adam and Eve, it was clothing. For him, it was walking. What is it for you? If I could only then. Maybe for you, it's if I only had a different job, then I'd be satisfied. Maybe for you, if it's I, I only got a promotion then life would be okay. Maybe for you, if it's I only got a wedding ring, then everything would be livable. Hello. Maybe for you, if it's if I was only skinnier, then. If I only had a different nose, then. If I was only born into a different home, then. If I only had more money, then. If people only recognized how great I am, then. If only. The thing about if only, guys, is that if onlys only lead to more if onlys. You will never find satisfaction for your soul chasing after if onlys. You'll never find satisfaction for your soul chasing after if onlys. Because what happens when you get it? Do you need that thing you're seeking or do you need something deeper? The world around us tells us if we can only get fill in the blank, we'll be okay, right? If only, we'll be okay. But y'all, this is just advice, but the gospel is more than advice. The gospel's news. In ancient times when the Greeks would go in and they would conquer a city, like Marathon, maybe you've heard of the Battle of Marathon, what they would do is they would send heralds forward after the battle. And you know what they called them? They were called evangelists. And these heralds would be carrying something that they referred to as a gospel. 
and they would run town to town, and they would say, you are free, and do you know why you're free? It's because the army has fought the battle for you, they've had the victory for you, and now you get to live in this reality of this freedom. Yo, we have evangelists running around today saying that Jesus has fought the battle that you could never fight. He won the war you could never win. And he's brought freedom for your life. And all you have to do is accept it, y'all. That is good news. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the most valuable bit of news that you can ever hear on the earth. It's not advice. The gospel is not advice. It's not self-help. It's news that there is a new way to do things. There's a new king who's sitting on the throne. And that you don't need medicine. You need a cure. You don't need a teacher. You need a king. You don't need a guru. You need a God. And in Jesus, the God-man put on flesh, he walked around in our skin, and he spoke our language so that he could reach you and he could reach me. It says that we have a high priest who can relate to our weaknesses, but did you know that despite relating to our weaknesses, he never sat in the seat of our failures. He felt all the pressures that life had to give. He fasted. And he was starving. And he was in the wilderness, y'all. He felt hunger and he felt thirst in the desert, but he didn't succumb to its call. Then after that, the devil, it says, took him to the Temple Mount and said, you could have all of this. But he didn't give in to the seduction. He witnessed the heartbreak of losing a dear friend in Lazarus. He felt the betrayal of someone from your inner circle in Judas Iscariot. He felt the pressure in the garden to quit and give up because things were too hard. And he didn't stop there. He went to the cross and he experienced the most excruciating death that man could devise. And he hung on that cross for you and for me. He not only hung there, but he interacted with the other man that was on the cross, the thief. Jesus felt all the pressures of life, but he loved. If I were to give a thesis statement for the life of Jesus, it would be that. It would be, but he loved. Did you know that you are the thief on the cross? Jesus loved the one who put him there. He loved the men who nailed his hands to the tree, the centurions. And they said, surely this man was the son of God. You know, the first person to recognize it wasn't a religious person, but it was a a Gentile. Somebody they thought had no place in the kingdom. Did you know that you're Adam, that you're Eve, that you're the one in the garden who blew it and covered his nakedness? Did you know that you're the paralyzed man who cannot walk on your own? Did you know that you're the criminal Barabbas who deserved the prison that he was in, but Jesus walked free? Jesus came to deal with something that we couldn't deal with in and of ourselves. He came came to give us a gift that we could never give ourselves. Y'all, I'm going to close with this. In the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, not the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, sorry, the Chronicles of Narnia. Chronicles of Narnia, there's a character named Eustace. Have you guys ever read the book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, or seen the movie? There's this character named Eustace, and Eustace is terrible. (laughs) Everybody hates Eustace, and Eustace 
hates everybody. And at some point in the book, they go to uh, this island, and he gets off the island, and he's stomping around alone because he's a miserable little kid. And he finds this hoard of treasure. And Eustace being Eustace thinks, man, I can take this treasure, and I can lord this over everyone else, and I can use my wealth to punish everyone. And he fell asleep on top of the treasure. It says that in the morning when Eustace woke up that he, he noticed that he was no longer a boy, but he had become a dragon. Because what he didn't realize is that the treasure he was laying on was the dragon's treasure. And anyone who lay there would become what the dragon was. And so he wakes up and he's this enormous dragon. <laughs> and he realizes, I'm not going to fit on the boat. He realizes we've got to keep voyaging. We've got to keep going onward. And I can no longer hide what's in my heart. And so they go through the story, and he's wrestling with this revelation that he's far nastier than he ever thought he was. And that he's this enormous dragon, and everyone sees it. And he's trying to deal with this. And somewhere within the story, he comes across Aslan the lion. If you're familiar with the tales, the Chronicles of Nardia, Aslan represents Jesus in the tales. And Aslan leads him out to a lake, and he says, Eustace, the only way that you're going to be able to shed this skin, the only way that you're going to be able to shed this dragon that you've become is you're going to have to claw it off. And Eustace says, is it going to hurt? And he says, more than you could ever imagine. And so Eustace begins to claw, and he begins to bite at the skin, and he rips a layer of skin off, and he sees it in front of him, but to his dismay, he's still a dragon. And so again, he starts ripping and he starts clawing at the skin and he throws it off and he looks and yet he's still a dragon. A third time he does it and he's still a dragon and he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed and he doesn't know what to do. And Aslan looks at him and he says, I'm going to have to go deeper. And he sees the claws of the lion and he's terrified. And it says in the book that Aslan cuts deeper than he could ever possibly have imagined, far deeper than he ever went, and he, expelled, he felt the most excruciating pain that he'd ever felt in his life. So he cut him all the way to the heart. It says that he ripped the skin away, and he looked down, and it was far darker. It was far nastier. It was far more than he ever thought it was. And Aslan picked him up, and he threw him into the lake. And the pain for a moment was excruciating. And then he felt relief. He looked down and he become a boy again. Why do, you tell, why do I tell you this story? Y'all, there are some of you in here who've been around Jesus your entire life. The name of Jesus is just ubiquitous for you. It's everywhere. But I believe that tonight, that, that Jesus is wanting to go deeper. I believe that Jesus tonight is wanting to cut deeper than he's ever cut before. And as the keys come up here, Y'all, I want to encourage you with this. I want to encourage you to let him cut deeper. I want to pray for you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word sheds light into our lives. God, I thank you that even though we're broken, God, I thank you that even though we've got this nastiness on our life, God, I thank you that you want to speak to it. God, I, I, I thank you that you want to bring a deep healing. God, that you don't want to just take one layer of skin off. But God, you want to get to the core. God, that we might find freedom, that we might find hope. 